0: Hi everyone, Gary Tester from Catholic Charities here for another podcast episode of Mercy in Action. Our guest today is Christine Commerce who is the coordinator for the Diocese of Orlando Human Trafficking Task Force. Welcome, Christine. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. This will be the third podcast we've done on human trafficking, so we're looking to update and talk about what the situation with human trafficking looks like in today's world with the pandemic, with immigration issues, uh, with economy. So we're really excited to hear where things are, but before we get there, let's offer a prayer to get our conversation started. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Lord, we give you thanks for the efforts that we're able to put forth to help people who are impacted by human trafficking. We pray that our efforts will educate those who can make a difference and that our efforts will also come to fruition in terms of our ability to truly serve those who have been victimized through this slavery. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to change this situation in the world and certainly here in Central Florida where our efforts are most noted. And we just ask for your blessings upon all those who strive in this ministry. We pray, Father, for your blessings upon us always, and we ask this in Christ's name, amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, Christine, let's start with January is a very important month. I want to be careful that we don't just say, well, it's only in January that we're concerned. But why January to talk about human trafficking?
1: Well, January is National Slavery and Human Trafficking Prevention Month. And it's also leading up to February 8th, which is the feast day of St. Josephine Bikita and the International Day of Prayer and Awareness and Reflection Against Human Trafficking.
0: It's a month that's designed to help us be mindful of the tragedy that's occurring around us all the time.
1: That is correct.
0: You know, you use a very powerful word, and certainly uh, during this year of pandemic and all the racial unrest and things, it's, it's one that probably brings back a lot of different memories, but slavery. Talk to us about why slavery is termed alongside of human trafficking.
1: Sure. So many of us may think of slavery uh, back in the 1800s when people were shackled on plantations and, and so forth. And so when I became a volunteer with the task force, I was just floored by the fact that hey, slavery hasn't been abolished. It's evolved over the years, but human trafficking is actually a form of modern day slavery. And so we may not see people necessarily chained up and being auctioned off in the public square anymore, but it's happening behind closed doors. It's happening on the internet. And a lot of the ways that human traffickers are recruiting our kids are online, and so a lot of times people don't realize that we're actually handing the tools that traffickers use right into our children's hands.
0: So a really important message is to, it, it's entirely appropriate to equate modern-day slavery with human trafficking and use those terms perhaps almost interchangeably?
1: Yes. So human trafficking is often referred to, and even by Pope Francis, as a form of modern-day slavery. So people are still being bought and sold, but it's happening online. And most people have the misconception that their kids may be kidnapped off the streets like the mm-hmm. movie Taken, but it's very much different. While that may happen, it's very much less likely than some of the other ways that happens. So, for example, a lot of the human trafficking and the grooming process where traffickers are manipulating their victims is happening online. And what the grooming process, they this can take anywhere from, you know, a few weeks to several months. They're looking for those who are most vulnerable. In addition to that, we have our runaway children, our children in foster care, we have immigrants. All those people are vulnerable, and traffickers love to prey on those who are most vulnerable.
0: It's a great way to look back, because obviously some of this information that you're talking about is is information that we shared in previous podcasts, and certainly the work of the task force here in the diocese Mm -hmm. is about that education and awareness. But when we talk about grooming, I don't mean to be facetious. But when we talk about grooming ourselves or grooming our pets, there's a lot of effort that goes into making sure that everything is just right. Talk about what it means for a trafficker to groom a potential victim.
1: Sure, that's a great question. So obviously we're not talking about physical grooming, we're talking about mental manipulation, and they are experts at that. And one trafficker who is convicted and in jail right now once said that you promise them heaven and they'll follow you straight to hell. So, Basically, they look, if for example, if these kids are online, they're looking for those who are not getting along with their parents, who maybe have low self-esteem, who maybe got in a fight with their parents. There was one case where a girl was gotten a fight with her mom and she said, you know, I posted online, I hate my mom. And within 20 minutes, she had come in contact with what was called the bottom girl, who is the one that helps recruit other girls into the life of human trafficking, often for the pimp. And so, you know, she said, I I totally understand, you know, my mom's the same way, you know, hey." I'm going to a party tonight. Do you want to join me? So she snuck out of her house, met up with this girl that she just met online. And with two hours, she was in a hotel room and she had been handcuffed to the bed and ended up in a trafficking situation. So it can happen as quickly as that. Some traffickers may groom their victims for months, even up to two years. And so it's constantly learning what their dreams are. What are their hopes and their future? Where are they hurting? and then they take all that and then they use that to manipulate them hey you you want a life with kids and you know this white picket fence I can offer you that you know I'll be your boyfriend a lot of times it's through an intimate partner that these girls are trafficked then you take a look at some of our most vulnerable populations so kids who are being abused at home and run away or kids in the foster care system. You know, if a stranger comes up to them, it's not like they're kidnapping them off the street at first, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. In some cases, they're just offering them a meal. Hey, you look hungry. You want to go to McDonald's? Now, in some cases, they may put something in their drink and they drug them and so forth. But in other cases, they may manipulate them through that grooming process. Hey, you know, I have a place to stay. Why don't you come stay with me? So they start out being that friend, that boyfriend, and using that manipulation to slowly groom their victims and manipulate them into the life. So they say, hey, you've been staying with me for a while. Now you owe me. I need you to do this for me. It's just this one time, but it's never just one time. Mm -hmm. And that's how that manipulation and the grooming process works. It's almost like a brainwashing. And they talk about human trafficking. The trauma bonds that are formed is very similar to Stockholm Syndrome.
0: You know, it's really interesting. A couple of thoughts that come to mind. Number one, it sounds almost Maslowian in terms of hierarchy of need. So we have a need to be fed. We have a need to sleep. We have a need to be sheltered. Uh, we have a need to be loved uh, among the different needs that we have. And in that hierarchy of needs, you know, we, we know psychologically, if I physically, if I don't get sleep, then everything else falls apart rather quickly. I can go longer without food, but I do get hungry. And what you're pointing out is that traffickers are somehow innately connected to sensing when someone is not getting one of those basic needs met. The other piece, if I'm on the right track, at the apparitions of Fatima, Our Lady indicated that what we know is the final battle will be against the family. And in Christine, the the examples you gave, it seems very clear that what traffickers look for whether sophisticated or whatever degree of sophistication they're looking, they're moving in on kids who are struggling in their families, maybe single-parent homes where mom's working two jobs, conflict with the parent, rules I don't want to follow. Am I tracking that correctly?
1: That is absolutely correct. So we actually talk about Maslow's hierarchy of needs within our presentation, and that's a great example because traffickers actually use that as a training tool. It's been used as a training tool also in a book. It's basically a book on how to be a pimp. And so what wow. these pimps do is they focus on where those vulnerabilities are. So. If it's someone who's a runaway, they need food. They need shelter. That's their vulnerability. Someone could be at home with their parents and have food and shelter, but they have low self-esteem mm-hmm. or they have their need, that need for love and belonging. Maybe they're not getting at home. So that's where the master manipulation comes in. So they're very good at figuring out, okay, what is this person's, um, low points? What is, what is it that they can be manipulated on? And then they use that at first to be their friend and then to use that against them. So it's very important to look at the root causes of human trafficking, right? It's very important not only to educate people and to learn the signs, which you can go on our website, cflcc.org, to learn more about human trafficking and the signs, right. or schedule a presentation, mm-hmm. but it's also important to address the root causes and do prevention not only through education, but by providing the resources to our families, to our communities. And so just for an example, and I'll use Catholic Charities. Um, that's sure, another example. Of course. So through Catholic Charities, we've actually been able to assist or refer victims and survivors to services over about 100 people since we've come under Catholic Charities in the past couple of years. And we've done that through our Family Stability Program. So a lot of times when these victims are rescued, they may need assistance into housing, and that's where Catholic Charities comes in with that one-time rental down payment assistance. So this also goes with the prevention piece. So Mm -hmm. if a family's homeless or they are about to be evicted, You know, that puts them at risk for potential traffickers. So if we can assist them and help them along that journey with either food and rental assistance and even with immigration. So we have our immigration and legal department. Right. And we are able to assist with immigrants going along the the legal uh, avenue of getting their citizenship.
0: So let's talk for a minute then. You've hit on the hierarchy of needs and and some of those material needs. Mm -hmm. So how has the pandemic, which is, you know, many people have lost their jobs, many families are struggling to pay their bills. We know the food lines at our own food markets for Catholic Charities are very long. From your perspective as the coordinator of the task force, what has this pandemic done to either lessen the likelihood of trafficking or to put more pressures on on individuals.
1: So we've actually seen an increase in trafficking and we haven't seen a decrease in demand because a lot of the times these people who are seeking the johns as you know they're known as right. who are seeking these women or children mm-hmm. have addictions. So it could be addictions, you know, sex addictions and right. so forth. So the pandemic's not slowing that down and what we have seen is a tremendous increase in online exploitation of our children and if children are being bought and sold it's still called child sex trafficking and this is basically happening you know right here in our homes, in a community. So, you're mm-hmm. talking about parents having to leave their children unsupervised at right, home. Right, right. Um, they're online more than ever. And so, mm-hmm. they've seen over 100% increase of child sexual exploitation online since COVID started. In addition to that, with the struggling families and the possibility of being evicted and so forth what maybe single mothers um, and and so forth, or other families, they're having to trade sex for rent. And unfortunately, sometimes they may trade their child for sex for rent as well.
0: So it's really, it's startling. And I'm, I'm thinking I'm going back to when the pandemic began and schools. It was right after spring break a year ago mm-hmm. when most of the shutdown began. And I remember when school resumed, it was in virtual classrooms. And if I recall correctly, early on, there was a great deal of um, I'll use the term infiltration on Zoom sessions yes. where where there were really horrific things. Things being said and viewed by children in a classroom because people were infiltrating into the school sessions is is that part of what was going on?
1: Well, that could have been part of it, but they're also accessing our children through social media. So yes, I've heard of those incidents, right, where someone hacked into a Zoom and exposed right. themselves. That's and exactly so forth. yeah. So obviously, that wouldn't be a child trafficking situation, right. but definitely, you know, something inappropriate.
0: So as clever as the traffickers are, they're certainly mindful of the fact that people, children are spending more and more time online. Um, they're, they're I, I'm thinking as a trafficker, I, I, I would assume you keep an eye, like, for example, on the local school, you watch for kids who are getting bullied, kids who seem isolated from other kids. It's like, our, it's almost as if they're always watching for their next target.
1: So, and here's the thing, they'll use other kids to recruit kids. So you could have a middle school situation where there's a kid that their mom or dad is a trafficker and they are in the schools looking for, you know, Joe or Susie who doesn't have any friends, who has low self-esteem and they'll start becoming their friend and grooming them through that process. So this has happened with our youth. There's youth to youth. There's familial trafficking. A lot of people don't realize that people's parents traffic their own kids.
0: I was going to say, so so need a timeout here. You yeah, And you just underscored it. In my mind, I have a stereotypical profile of, of what I'll call a pimp. That's To me, that's the likely trafficker. What I'm hearing you say is it's very dangerous to assume that there's a stereotypical trafficker.
1: Yes. Yeah, so, you know, some of us may conjure up that image, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Maybe the Halloween
1: costume. Yeah. The pimp all, you know, decked out with the gold and the right. hat and right. all that. So here's the thing. Uh, traffickers, there's no one particular type of. Uh, As far as uh, socioeconomic background, there's um, no race, religion, anything. It doesn't discriminate. So there's been traffickers from across the board. It could be a mom. It could be a dad. It could be a grandmother. It couldn't be a lawyer, as we had a case recently in Brevard County who was just charged with trafficking. We've had doctors. Sure. Who've been traffickers, who've sold their own kids. Mm -hmm. And so... People have this misconception. It's this big, bad, burly-looking guy. Right. It can be kids. It can be a teenager.
0: Well, you know, I I recall, and and I assume this is another example, the Jeffrey Epstein case. Mm -hmm. Women who were victimized by the late Mr. Epstein testified in court that they had been used to recruit other females to become a part of that entire operation. And that's exactly what you're describing here. It, it can happen in any, from any direction, from any person. Yes. So then how does the task force propose to, for the first time, I'm a parent and I'm listening in on this and I'm like, I'm dumbstruck by the information I'm hearing. What should I be doing, Christine? Well,
1: I think awareness is key. I think that's the first step. Obviously, prayer is important to pray for the traffickers for a change of heart, to pray for the victims, to pray for their families. It's also important to take action by educating yourself, sharing what you learn with others, and by educating your kids, making them involved and having them understand the situation. There's some great resources out there, such as 821.org or Shared Hope International, that have videos that really show the ins and outs That you could show your kids of how how does this happen through social media, and and so forth.
0: So was that website? Was that like the number eight, the number two, the number one dot org?
1: The letter A. Okay. For abolitionists.
0: And then twenty one.
1: Twenty
0: one. Dot org. Yes. Okay. Okay. Are those um, information sources uh, available, like through the Catholic Charities website or so, through our social yes, media? yes, we are
1: in the process of updating our website, so we hope to have those resources available on there soon. But there are some, yes, there are some resources on there. There are some, you know, things that people can look at as far as how to take action, what are signs to look for, and so forth. Obviously, as far as some of the signs you want to look for, uh, for the general publics is... Basically, if you see bruises, you know, signs of abuse, if someone is talking for someone else like you're you're trying to have a conversation with them and and the person with them is answering the questions, you know, that lack of eye contact, if they seem submissive. Um, Branding is huge with trafficking and the victims. So you mean
0: like physical branding?
1: So yes, because. Because they don't see them as a human being, they see them as their property. So they'll often brand them with tattoos saying, this is my girl. So with the, with the pimps and trafficking, um, they're, this is my girl, this is my property, you better stay away. So the branding is part of their way of their control and manipulation of the girls. And they treat them, you know, basically like cattle. That's what they're there for, it's to make money for them. And so basically, um, you wanna look for some of those signs for the general public. With your kids, what you could look for is, you know, and this is hard, especially with COVID, a drop in grades. I know. Oh, you know my sure. kids <laughs> my, yeah. my son is at a drop in grades. It doesn't always uh, mean traffic. Right, right, right. But you know, a drop in grades, a change in personality. Um, are they changing the way they dress? Um, for teachers for the kids who are going face to face, do you notice that maybe someone that you know comes from a lower income family is all of a sudden coming to school with new purses and shoes and clothing and even for parents as well, you know?
0: Got it. So realistically speaking the encouragement to parents is to be ever vigilant and i almost hear in in the guidance you're giving christine it's almost always better to be safe than sorry so let's say i'm a parent and i notice that there you know my child's spending more and more time on the internet and and on social media and and i just have a an overall foreboding feeling is there somewhere i can call to kind of sound out what What may be going on, or is there some action I should be taking with my child?
1: So, there, once again, there's some great resources out there. The National Center for Missing and Exploited Children has some great internet resources. People can also call the National Human Trafficking Hotline, which is 888 3737 888. That's the easy way I like to remember it. Okay. Um, And then You know, you can also call the Center for, um, cyber exploitation. Um, and there's just a lot of different resources where you can look up and try to get some more information and maybe what's going on, but talk to your kids. And this is key. And this can't be a one-time conversation. This has to be ongoing conversations and engage them in conversations with, Hey, so who are you talking to online? And, you know, become their friends on social media and, it's so important that yes, you can put different devices on your kids' phones and and um, computers and so forth, mm-hmm. such as Bark and and all those um, great um, internet sure. safety devices. But you need to be on there checking what is going on with your kids. And I'll just share a quick story of what happened with me and my my son. Uh And so basically I was looking at the A21 parent resources and there's a whole even script on how to talk to your kids. So I'm like going down the script with him.
0: Right. (laughs) Right. Let
1: me see if this works. And so he goes, oh, yeah, that happened to me once. I said, well, what exactly happened? He said, well, yeah, this lady, she sent me a new picture of of herself. And, And I said, well, what app was that? and he didn't want to tell me because he didn't want to delete off my phone so once again for parents the the purpose is not to delete all these apps off the phone but right. to have these conversations monitor make them aware sure and eventually, I, I promised him. I said, "I'm not going to delete your app. Just tell me which app it was." And it was Snapchat, right? Snapchat, Understood. Instagram, Facebook. Yep, those you've are written huge. on those in the newsletter. Yes, there's a huge for um, for grooming and traffickers and TikTok. So it's not to say that those are bad, but we have to make our kids aware. And he he blocked that person. He did the right thing. He didn't tell me at first because you know kids are afraid to come to their parents. Right. So. Open up those lines of communication so they feel comfortable sharing with you. And then don't freak out. Don't freak out and say, oh, my gosh, we're deleting that app right now. um, Because they're not going to tell you in the future if
0: that's the case. So thank you for sharing that. I can only imagine that anyone listening to this podcast may be saying, oh, my gosh, I need to know more. I need to find out. And you've done a great job of articulating, you know, the national hotline and and the different websites. Christine, how does somebody reach you?
1: So my number is 407-658-658. 1818 extension 1122.
0: And that will reach you in your role as coordinator of the Diocesan Human Trafficking Task Force? Yes. Okay. And then you've indicated that we're working to get things up on the website so that that information is there Um, and you are available. The task force really focuses on um, uh, presentations uh, awareness and education presentations that follow along lines of what we've talked about today, but it can be very specific as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay,
0: Okay. great. Well, I want to thank you for coming in to join us this morning. Thank you for having me. You acknowledge that uh, St. Josephine Bakhita, mm-hmm. uh, her feast day is coming up in, in February, but you've been kind enough to bring a prayer that we can close with today. Would you be kind enough to close us with that prayer?
1: Sure. I'd be happy to. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. O St. Paquita, assist all those who are trapped in a state of slavery. Intercede with God on their behalf so that they will be released from their chains of captivity. Those who man enslaves, slaves, let God set free. Name Father, Son, (laughs) Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And I actually say that prayer every day before I start my day. Uh And people can find that prayer online. And so I encourage everyone to say that prayer up through February 8th or even beyond.
0: Certainly beyond. But thank you very much. Christine, thanks for doing a great job. And thanks for, again, helping us to better understand the issue of human trafficking. We appreciate that very much. All right. Thank you. Sure.